Greetings, Leah Ryan here. Welcome to episode six of the Authors Read podcast. Each episode, we feature an author reading from their book. Today's author is D.L. Anderson, and she'll read from her book, Ben's Christmas Treasury, an 1820 Christmas Carol. Hello, my name is D.L. Anderson, historical fiction author, here to share with you an excerpt from my holiday fantasy novel, Ben's Christmas Treasury, based on the life of early American soldier, statesman, and pioneer Colonel Benjamin Stevenson, whose home remains a historic landmark in Edwardsville, Illinois, where our story takes place. Before Charles Dickens gave us Mr. Scrooge, before Frank Capra taught us It's a Wonderful Life, there was Benjamin Stevenson who lived it all. Banker, land agent, businessman, family man, friend. Ben Stevenson tries to be all things to all people in the frontier river town he helped establish. But when it all comes crashing down on him at Christmastide 1820, three irrepressible spirits take Ben on a journey through America's past, present, and future to discover where, in this season of giving and receiving, lies the greatest treasure of all. But will a tour through time and a terrifying view of what's yet to come be enough to renew his spirit and return him home in time for one more Christmas? Ben's Christmas Treasury Chapter 1 Gold and silver coins stood like a regiment of soldiers, counted, ranked, and filed on Colonel Benjamin Stevenson's desk. It was his sole comfort and a joy to stack, tally, and then return them safely locked in the cash box hidden beneath the floorboards of his banker's office. Regrettably, the ranks stood far too few in number, dwindling with each counting, battle-weary, as if missing their fallen comrades lost to the enemy in an economic game of greed and madness. For this lawman and soldier, Ben knew the tactics of war and politics. Running for Congress had shown him another side of both. Now of late, as a banker and land agent, he had applied the fine art of keeping counting books balanced and thriving. But on this December morning, just as the winter sun eased through his office window, he felt the burden of his task weighing heavier than ever on his soul. There simply was not enough coinage to cover the paper currency his bank freely printed and distributed. That would be easily solved in time, were it not for his adversaries lying in wait at his counting-house door, prepared to lay siege upon the few remaining ranks before him now. Missouri banks had once held the purse-strings on government monies, reaping the riches of their neighboring territory's bounty. That was until the president approved the opening of the Bank of Edwardsville. He was only fitting and proper. This was Illinois, his territory. He had once thought would be the boon of his life, the defining point of his career, and a legacy to leave his children and their children for generations to come. But on this dreary December morn in the waning year, when hearts turned to goodness and joy, hope and comfort, he had no taste for any of it. It was a hard, cruel world where men played a gentleman the games of business, perverse sincerity, and duplicitous honor. Underneath lie the savagery of heartless souls lusting for the blood of another's good name and integrity. A glint of sunlight peeked half-heartedly through a slit in the curtain, lending an eerie cast to the metallic piles, as if teasing his soldiers to their post. It was this banker's duty to protect and rule his assets, just as a militia commander orders his men, and they in turn obey and defend him and all they serve. There was much to do betwixt the two offices he held, banker, 
and land agent. Though separated by a mere stretch of the leg, five hundred and thirty-two paces to be exact, somewhat less than eight-tenths of a mile, or so he surmised, yet they converged onto the shoulders of one man who held the purse-strings for government land funds held in reserve in this very bank until it could reach Washington's coffers. He snapped the candlestick's flame between ink-stained fingers, leaving a smoke trail dissipating into the muted haze of another workday. The morning light was sufficient to accomplish his task without wasting candle-wax. In this past year, he had been hard-pressed to perform a juggling act to rival a gypsy peddler, hoping to gain a penny or two for his sleight of hand and agile words. He was no such peddler, though he sometimes wondered if that might not have been a more suitable profession. At least such a bohemian life would have garnered more freedom and less demands on his time and soul. A stack of letters demanded his attention as well, including the one from Secretary of the Treasury Crawford regarding the state of land sales. The tight-fisted and exacting official minced no words in levying cloaked accusations and insinuating reproof of Ben's ability to execute both offices. That had been his first mistake, letting both Crawford and Edwards seduce him into thinking he could single-handedly navigate the duality and dichotomy of both roles. It seemed child's play at first, and of course he was flattered at the confidence both men placed in him. It would have remained a navigable task within a stable economy, but nothing was ever as simple or constant as it should be. Times were hard and far from stable in a fledgling state within a fledgling nation. And if that was not enough to try his patience on a cold winter morn, there was the matter of a curious note on his desk, along with today's newspaper. No, not today's newspaper. Tomorrow's. The Missouri Gazette, December the 24th, Christmas edition. Perhaps not so unusual, given that Christmas Eve fell on the Lord's Day, but to find it sitting there on his desk in the wee hours of the morning when he was the first to arrive, before anyone else entered his domain? Curious, indeed. Perhaps Coles had sent it over the evening before, but what of the peculiar note signed J.M.? Clearly it was not the handwriting of the current registrar and not even close to his initials. J.M. It appeared to be... No, it could not be. Not John McKee, who was dead these two years now. A finer registrar in Fenn. Ben could not have hoped for Indeed, McKee was greatly missed and ever on his mind these past few months. Edward Coles had been a poor substitute since his arrival the following winter as the newly appointed registrar to the land office. Ben had tried to endure the man's insufferable oddities and opposing political views. He could be a reasonable man, known as fair-minded and tolerant, cajoling others into seeing his way of thinking, or at the very least, coming to amicable agreement. But with such a registrar... Ben had nearly lost his patience more than once this past year. It was all Cole's doing, and that was the end of it. Was it not like him to be so pointed and surreptitious? Though how he had gotten into the locked bank office when Ben had the only key, aside from his clerk, and why he should be awake so early to receive a copy of today's newspaper while the town remained in its sleepy winter haze was more than a little disconcerting. He closed the ledger and brushed aside the newspaper glancing again at the vitriolic headline illuminated in the early morning's diffused whiteness. The Bank of Edwardsville. Will it see another new year? Under it was a cartoon sketch of a banker holding a sack of cash in one hand and a land deed in the other, 
lanky legs straddled the Mississippi River. In place of the man's face was a fox's pointed snout and beady eyes. A bushy tail protruded from his breeches. A caption read, Colonel Stevenson, the fox, watches the henhouse and devours the goose's golden eggs. In the corner was a scrawled signature of Daniel Smith, notorious scandalmonger, spurious reporter, and ever-present thorn in his side. Ben crumpled the lipeless words in his ink-stained hands and tossed paper with accompanying note into the corner stove. Best economy for this scandal rag. Let it burn and provide warmth and thus save another bit of tinder. At the very least, he had the unnamed sender of this early Christmas gift to thank. Christmas, indeed. Just another day of business to him. The 23rd, by all accounts, today. Tomorrow was merely another Sabbath, a day of rest and nothing more. December the 24th or not, there was much to be done to end the week. He arose before daybreak, leaving home with Lucy still abed, even before Wynne and Carolyn laid the morning fire, hoping to avoid the onslaught of reveling to come. Christmas Eve was sure to be a frenzy of activity at home tomorrow, certainly no day of rest. He'd be better off remaining here at his work, possibly begging off worship with the family. Surely the Lord would understand, even if Lucy did not. In this of all years, he had much to accomplish before another annual accounting was put to bed, and he had no stomach for reveling. There would be precious little in household funds for wasteful spending. He would apprise his family of this once again, as he had done more than a week ago in spite of Lucy's gentle protests and the children's grumblings. Still, perhaps a small indulgence on the morrow being Sunday and a day of rest, when the bank and all town businesses were closed, he imagined a day of peaceful reflection and much-needed repose before easing into another fiscal year. He'd even granted the bank a day's holiday on Monday, the 25th, which meant they must get as much industry accomplished as possible today. Though the day to work here, or in the land office, alone and undisturbed tomorrow, was an intoxicating thought. He considered all of this as he stoked the flames in the stove with the poker, watching with fiendish delight the words blaze and shrivel into charred bits of ash and papery snow. With one final glance at the curious note, he had shoved it into the fire, the words burning into his soul. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Merry Christmas, J.M. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. I'd like to thank D.L. Anderson for sharing her book with us today, and thank you for listening to the Authors Read podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for the link to the book. If you'd like to support the Authors Read podcast, please like, subscribe, or share. Until next time!